Hey, this is Greg Knapp. Coming up today on the podcast, an interview with author Todd Rose about how you are not average. No one is. Then I'll explain how the successful person is just the average person with one special trait. Wait, Greg, didn't you just say no one's average? Yes, I'll explain. Let's go. You know how you sometimes feel stuck? Like you're drifting through life, going through the motions? You know you were created for something more, that an average life just isn't enough for you. Then you're in the right place. Find your purpose. Live your passion. Let's go. Todd Rose is the best-selling author of The End of Average, How We Succeed in a World that Values Sameness. Now, he's the co-founder of Populous. It's about advancing our understanding of individuality to transform how we learn, work, and live. I love that. And he also the director of the Mind, Brain, and Education program at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, where he leads the laboratory for the science of individuality. Ooh, that sounds real good. Now, to the book. Here's the question. Are you average? Are you above average? I mean, every day we're measured against the so-called average person. But here's the assumption. Things like average GPAs, average personality tests, annual performance reviews, all those things supposedly are revealing very meaningful things about your abilities, right? Todd Rose says that is wrong. No, no, spectacularly wrong. So Todd uses this new science of the individual, and he says that can reveal something a little crazy, a fact. No one is average. A real mathematical fact about that with enormous practical consequences for you and your chances for success. See, there's a powerful alternative to the average. There are three key principles derived from the science of the individual. Now, Rose calls it, number one, the jaggedness principle. The talent is never one-dimensional. Number two, the context principle. The personality traits do not exist. Whoa. And number three, the pathways principle. We all walk the road less traveled. So these principles of individuality are what actually unveil our true uniqueness. Now, usually our current education system, our current workplace system, they obscure your uniqueness. They judge you by weighing you against the average. But there is no average, remember? Hey, because you're listening to the podcast, I want to give you my book, Go, for free. Just go to Gregory B. Knapp dot com slash go free and you can get it there and if you have a question for me just dial me up leave a voicemail i'll take your message and put it right into the podcast 904-373-6591 all this is in the show notes oh let's bring in todd rose maybe he can help us explain it all todd how are you doing this afternoon not too bad. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, we're very excited about having you. I love the whole idea of the end of average. You know, my wife is a first grade teacher, and she tries so hard to not put the kids into a little average bell curve. You know, uh, what can I do to help this kid and this kid? And this kid learns in a little slightly different way. And this kid needs to stand up in the back of the room because he works better that way. And that's the kind of thing I think we've got to be able to do throughout our lives to help people reach their potential. Uh, that's basically what you're really hitting on, right? That, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, great teachers try to do this all the time, and we have just built a system that works against that at every single level. It really does, uh, especially for kids who are super active and don't like sitting still for eight <laughs> hours a day like so many of us were in school. 
let's start us from a parent idea, okay? Because I love how you say in your book, you know, that everybody has these different distinct ways to learn, unique patterns of behavior. I agree with all that. You're the parent, and you've got a kid who learns differently than a lot of the kids. What do you do to help them? So I think this will sound simple, but I think it's by far the most important first step, which is that as a parent, you're teaching your kid how to think about themselves, right? And they're going to internalize that view. And if you let the society give them this, you know, you're this type of kid and you, you rank this way, instead of teaching them how to see themselves as individuals, I mean, that's the biggest key. And, and I actually think the insights from the book are helpful in that regard. Oh, I do too. Let, let's take it a kid who's maybe not super um, great at the standardized test. But how, how do you get him to funnel towards his strengths? So I think it's about making sure that the kid is getting exposure to a wide range of different kinds of opportunities. And as a parent, it's really um, can be worrisome when you think you're trying to help your kid be just like everyone else, only better, right? Play the standardized game. But knowing that the more opportunities they have to try and find their purpose and their strengths, the better off they're going to be. Yeah, I love that. And let them try a bunch of different things. You know, my my dad always said, you know, let's try a bunch of stuff, see what you like. There's a difference between quitting and learning that, hey, I, I don't really like this, right? Uh, and, yeah. and so try a bunch of things, find out what you like, and then really pursue it hard. That's exactly right. And I love your point about um, that doesn't mean quitting just because you don't like something. You know, learn to finish what you started, but sample and sample and know that if you figure out that thing that just clicks – Life is so much better for you. Absolutely. The book is called The End of Average, How We Succeed in a World that Values Sameness. Todd Rose is the author. He's the director of the Mind, Brain, and Education program at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Uh, let's talk about it as if I'm a boss or I'm a team leader at a business, and I have to put my team together. And, you know, we're always told, well, uh, look at the guys that have the great grades and the guys that have been to the good schools the research is now showing that, hey, that, that, that's not always indicative of what's going to happen here. If I'm the guy trying to put a team together, how should I put my team together? Uh, that's great. You're, you're right. And as someone that someone from Harvard, I, I hate to say, it turns out not to matter that much. right? Like, but um, we're, we're finding that these reliance on simple one-dimensional metrics like what's your GPA, what's your SAT score, how prestigious is the school you went to, they really fail to predict who's going to be successful in your company. I would direct people, if you're putting a team together, there is a an approach called performance-based hiring. Lou Adler invented it. That's all about understanding the performance in context and then finding people that match that rather than these silly kind of job descriptions like you should be a good communicator as if that's a thing. Right, right. right. Oh, a good people person. That's my favorite. Yeah. Right? yeah, that's what we need. That's very cool. So I'll look that up, performance-based hiring Lou Adler, if you want to find out more information about that. And then, Todd, the other part of this is I agree with so much of what's in your book. I'm sure there are a lot of people who agree with that, but they're in college, let's say, and they're just doing okay. Maybe they're a CB student, but, but they're good at some things, but they're like, okay, when I go out to get a job, they're going to ask me you know, all the things we just talked about that are the normal, average things you look at. How do I present myself to an employer who maybe isn't on the same page with you and me on this? Yeah, so th th these people that are graduating now are kind of in this transition period, which is tough. But the first thing is, I, I would say you go all the way back to Adam Smith, right? The capitalism is about comparative advantage. So you better find the thing you're really good at and better than other people 
and double down on that, no matter what people are trying to you know, make you conform. But ultimately, I would say this, that if you lead with that, if you know who you are, you know your strengths and weaknesses, the context in which you excel and struggle, and you can present that case to the employer, I think you're in good shape. And the truth is, if an employer doesn't appreciate that individuality, it's probably not a good fit anyway. Have you found that the people who, and like you say, nobody's really average, but let's say the people that are kind of way on the outside of the average bell curve, are they usually better at starting their own company or creating their own job or not? Yeah, actually, I mean, we see this. It's for people that are on the edge, you know, their, their jaggedness, their their individuality is, is so extreme. They're the ones that realize immediately that the status quo system is just nonsense, right? Like it just doesn't fit. And instead of having this herd mentality, they're going to break free from that. And what you see is that they, they don't buy into the status quo so they can see the opportunities and they can develop in innovative companies in ways that most people simply can't. Yeah, oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. The book is The End of Average. Todd Rose with me here discussing it. And, you know, along those lines of getting the regular job, I, I've noticed, and I've had a lot of jobs, Todd, probably too many than I probably should admit. But, uh, yeah, I had a hard time keeping a job because I was always getting bored with it. But what I noticed was the only time anybody ever asked for my transcripts was my very first job. After that, nobody seemed to care what my GPA was. They wanted to know, what have you done? Yep. It's all about performance. And, you know, what's funny is you and I have the same uh, background. I, I've had more more jobs than I could tell you, and more minimum wage jobs when, after I dropped out of high school. But it, you're right. So that first transcript, yeah, that might make it tough the first job, but it's about performance, and it's about performance in context. So, you know, figure out those the context in which you thrive and stay there. Yeah, yeah, and, and you might use that first job just as the beginning of what your next job is going to be if you have a really horrible transcript. I think know? that's exactly right. Todd, uh, last thing here, I want you to have an opportunity. Is there one thing out of this book, if, if people only remember one thing, what would you want them to remember? That there literally is not an average person, and we've built an entire society around the idea that there is. And the problems of opportunity in society, the problems of economic and personal success, all come back down to this nonsensical belief in the myth of the average person. Love it. Hey, thanks for the book. Thanks for the time. The end of average Todd Rose, you can find it at Amazon.com, of course, and we've got the link up on our Facebook page. Todd, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, man, all the best. Great stuff. Now, here are some nuggets to remember from the interview and the book. You are not average, and science proves it. Actually, nobody's average. Now, wait a second, Greg. I understand that I'm not average, but, I mean, lots of people are average. Hello, Greg. That's how they come up with average. It's most people. And yeah, that's the funny thing, as we were talking about with Todd Rose, with all his research, that not one person is truly average. The averages are made up of statistical models of measurements of all kinds of people, but no one person really fits all those measurements. I love what John Wooden said about it. Being average means you are as close to the bottom as you are to the top. Who wants that? Yet we still try to fit everybody into this average box. I mean, we base our schools on the average child. We base what college we can get into on how far above average our GPA is. We get hired for our first job pretty much the same way. Why? Does the real world have success correlate closely with those things? And the answer is not really. In fact, there's a ton of data showing the correlation is weak. So if you're not average, 
Why are you allowing your life to be run by those laws? Instead, use Rose's book to learn how to leverage your uniqueness for uncommon achievement and joy, not average. In fact, the book's going to help you in your role as a parent, an entrepreneur, a team leader, and an employee, and I highly recommend it. I love what Michael Jordan said. All I knew is that I never wanted to be average. And A.W. Tozer said, refuse to be average. Let your heart soar as high as it will. So I got a question for you on this one. What is unique about you that has helped or hurt you? How can you leverage it for even more success? On to part two. A listener emailed me that she isn't happy at work and doesn't know what to do. Well, now there's lots of possibilities here. Could be in the wrong career. Could be a bad work environment. Maybe there are other problems in her life that are impacting her work, but let's expand this for all of us. So maybe the reason you aren't happy at your job isn't because you're in the wrong career or you aren't paid enough or you aren't appreciated or your benefits think or whatever. And again, it could be. I mean, if it is, then it's time to go deep and find your passion and purpose. So go listen to my first podcast episode and read my book, Go, to get started. But after you've looked at all that, maybe the real reason you're not happier at work is because in our short attention span, you must respond to me instantly, society, most of your time is spent doing superficial work, reacting to emails, reacting to text messages, reacting to phone calls, putting out other people's fires, going to meetings that seem to accomplish nothing. I love meetings. Being interrupted every five minutes when you find, wait, what? Yeah, being interrupted every five minutes when you finally get to focus on your real work. Gee, I can't understand why you don't wake up with a smile on your face every morning and race back to your cubicle for more of that. I like what B. Black said about it. You are what you do. If you do boring, stupid, monotonous work, chances are you'll end up boring, stupid, and monotonous. While I was working on this podcast, I allowed myself to be interrupted emails, a phone call. I got curious about a couple things filtering around in my head and did a few internet searches that took 20 minutes. I even allowed myself to be distracted by a couple YouTube videos. I mean, how do we get anything done at all anymore? This type of fractured, distracted, superficial work environment, man, it can lead anywhere from mild unhappiness to frustration, anger, and depression. Think back to the last time you were doing real work and someone kept trying to talk to you or ask you to do little unimportant things, how did you respond to them? How did you feel? Now think back to the last time you were in the flow. You know, the zone. You knew you were doing great work. You were killing it, man. And you knew you were at your best and getting it done. How'd you feel after a couple hours of that? I mean, even if it wasn't your favorite part of your job, the fact you did it well and got it done felt good, didn't it? If it was something you really care about and you kick butt, you were on a high then, weren't you? So how do we get more of that? The answer is focus. See, if you can focus on the most important goals in your job and avoid the distractions of lesser tasks, you will be killing it at work and enjoying the great feelings that come from being in the flow. And Daniel Burnham had a great point. He said, listen, make no little plans. They have no magic to stir men's blood. I got a couple things for you to help on this. If you want to learn more about how to be in the flow or the zone, read Flow, The Psychology 
of Optimal Experience by Mikhai Sikjenchmahai. I can never pronounce that dude's name, man. Try and say it five times fast. And to learn more about the importance and results of focusing on your best work, check out Deep Work Rules for Focus Success in a Distracted World. That's by Cal Newport. I can pronounce his name. All the links are in the show notes for that. So get clear on the most important goals in your business. Get clear on the most important goals for your role in the business. Set aside time to focus on those goals without distraction. Because if you focus on all the superficial, busy work that most people focus on, you're going to be the average, disengaged, unhappy worker bee. So where's your focus? Well, speaking of that, the successful person is the average person focused. Greg, didn't you just tell us there is no average person? And now you're telling us the successful person is the average person focused. Come on, dude. I know, uh, but just work with me here. You know what I mean by the average man. They're just meaning just the regular guy you see on the street. Yes, we're all different. None of us are average, but now you understand what I'm trying to say. I mean, have you ever felt like you're working really hard and still not getting everything done? Well, yeah, Greg, like every day. Was that a trick question? Well, a listener's been trying a new focus technique and says it's helped him some, but I think we can actually do better. And by the way, you can call with a question, leave a voicemail, and I'll put you right into the podcast, 904-373-6591. The phone number's in the show notes. So he asks, he says, hey, Greg, I've been using the Pomodoro technique. I focus on one thing for 22 minutes, and then I walk around to rest for about eight. Then I repeat it. And I try to do that to get my 22 minutes of uninterrupted time, because if I try longer than that, something breaks it up. Also, I can usually get about four of those reps in in a day. So what do you think? Great question. I think it's great that you're doing that. For me, I need more than 22 minutes to really focus and get into my flow. There's a lot of research out there that says it takes us time to get refocused once we've been interrupted. Anywhere from 5 to 22 minutes, depending on who you are. And I don't want to waste all that time getting back in that deep thinking frame of mind every time I'm interrupted. Since the research also shows that most of us can concentrate between 40 to 50 minutes at a time, I set up my time blocks for 50 minutes. So I turn off all the notifications from my phone, email, text, Twitter, and I do 50 minutes with zero interruptions. Then I take a break. I'll walk around a little bit. Maybe I'll do some burpees. Maybe I'll get some water for about, you know, five to 10 minutes. And then I'll do it again. After that second rep, I usually do something like a full workout. And then I do it again. And then I'll do something else during the 10 minutes. I try to do three or four of those a day. And it's amazing what I can get done. Now, I don't do it every day. But when I do, I feel awesome. Now, if you're worried you're going to miss something really important, then leave your phone ringer on. But nothing else. Because otherwise, you get sucked into all these rabbit holes. And before you know it, the day's gone. I mean, that still happens to me, and I talk about this all the time. Oh, it also helps to tell others what you're doing. For instance, I only check my emails twice a day, so I put right in my email signature. In order to be as efficient and as effective as possible, I only check my email at 10.30 a.m. and 4.20 p.m. Eastern Time. If there's an emergency, you may call me. And I've had people email me, Greg, I don't have your 
number and I wanted to call you. Well, if you don't have my number, then you're not somebody that has an emergency that needs to call me. <laughs> so I don't, I don't put that in the email. I mean, come on, man. Oh, that's good. All right. And so the other part too, if you're working somewhere with other people, you have to let them know that you're doing these time block things and tell them why you're doing it so you can get more done in a better way. I know it won't work for everybody and you have to be careful how you do this. I get it. But if you really want to do deep work, you can't be interrupted all the time. You've got to be able to do some time blocks to get your most important work done and treat it as sacred time. You might have to get creative on how you block out that time, but just make sure everybody knows why you're doing it, especially if you have a boss. Now, if you are the boss or you're self-employed, you're going to be shocked at how much of the important stuff you get done when you start focusing four hours a day on that most important thing. So here's the action steps. Number one, you got to explain to others how and when you're focusing without distractions. Number two, get a timer. It's probably on your phone. Number three, set it for 50 minutes. Number four, focus and go. Number five, take a break. Maybe talk with friends, check messages, get a drink of water, do some burpees. And number six, repeat. All right. Now, again, I love to have questions for you. Here's my question. Have you tried this? Does it work for you? What do you do to stay focused? And if you try it in the next few days, email me or call me and let me know how it's going. Email address and phone number in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it for us so we can build this thing. And because you listen to it, you get my book, Go For Free. Just go to gregorybnapp.com slash go free. And don't forget, bring your questions to me, 904-373-6591. Leave a voicemail and you might get into the podcast. All the information is in the show notes. Find your purpose. Live your passion. Let's go.